Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians, and they are a fascinating bunch of people. It'll be a great time, and I hope you can handle it. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. Today's special guest is a musician with a very eclectic background. He began studying classical piano at age five. In 1988, he moved to San Francisco to further his studies and eventually relocated to Amsterdam in 2003. His musical experience ranges from classical to punk to rock and avant-garde. He has toured all around the U.S. and Europe, and in Buenos Aires, he honed his tango skills. He's played with several famous tango groups, including Strictly Tango, Tango No. 9, Tras Noche, and countless others. He also publishes music books through his company, Delph Music. And with me now is Mark Wyman. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with me. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome, Joe. It's really nice to meet and talk, and uh, I, I don't mind at all. Yeah. Okay, so I want to I want to get right into it. So you have a lot of experience with a variety of different music styles. So what was it about tango specifically that grabbed your attention? Oh gosh, um, the sheer beauty and strength of music. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no music like this anywhere on the planet. It is just the most passionate and profound music that exists in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into tango thanks. To the wonderful Dale Meyer in San Francisco mm-hmm. in 1998. Okay, uh, we had already known each other. Uh, we went to the same school, though not at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he called me up and said, "I'm playing in a um, in my master's recital. Would you like to play with me?" I knew him and respected him. I said, "Sure." What are you playing? And he mm-hmm. said, "Tango." And I wow. said, "Well, I've never played tango before, but sure, what the heck?" Okay. And um, as part of the preparation for it, he sent me a CD Mm -hmm. with really a pretty varied lot of tango in it. And I went, wow, that's not what I thought tango was. There was, um, it it ranged from, uh, I think he had a Darienzo arrangement on there and a Pugliese. And then, yeah, yeah. And of course, a couple of Piazzolas. But then most strikingly for me was uh, Salgan. There was some Quinteto Real stuff on it. Oh, yes. Yes, and I, of course, I'm a piano player, so mm-hmm. I was immediately captured by that <laughs> and uh, began to listen, and we did the concert, and that, I can't imagine how that was. It couldn't have sounded very much like tango, but, <laughs> and then he said, we've got a group to play sometime. Would you would you like to play with us? And I began playing with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened is we got a weekly gig in San Francisco at mm-hmm. the top of the Mark, which is on the top of the Mark Hopkins Hotel. Okay. And a uh, nice place, a bit chic, and it was every Monday night. There was a nice grand piano. Mm-hmm. Everybody would be in suits and nice dresses and so on. So we began playing there every Monday night for a year. And mm. we would play a set. And then during the break, they would put on CDs of all the standard tango stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to it. And I would say kind of, oh, that's how it should sound. And the next set i would try and apply a little bit of what i'd heard and then we'd take another break and i'd listen more did that every monday night for a year and that was my school okay wow i began yeah yeah and again i want to say that it's just immediately captivating music it's just 
so obviously beautiful and passionate. Mm-hmm. I was hooked very quickly in this music. And I began to research it. And I ended up going to Buenos Aires. And I was mm-hmm. there for six weeks. And I got to play with some really good people and go around and meet people and hear this music all day long every day. That's great. Um, and yeah, I think that was the best time of my life. <laughs> so yeah. did you also learn how to dance tango too? Well, I tried. I tried. <laughs> I, I have flaws. And one of my flaws is my rhythm seems to be in my hands and not in my feet. Oh, yeah, so I I did try. I had a few really good teachers, including my friend Rob Nyson, who lives here. He's been my friend ever since I moved here. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a series of lessons, actually, for free as oh, wow. part of a class he was offering. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice mm-hmm. in an art gallery here. Okay. And so I took those 10 lessons from him. I had a good partner. And then I took another odd, you know, five, six, seven lessons with him and some other people. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I am insane about the music. The yeah. music is awesome. The dance, I love, but I just don't have the same level of passion. I see. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I thought either I need to get that level of insanity and go dancing for four hours every night. Right. Or just stop because I was bothered at my own <laughs> imperfections. And so I mm-hmm. finally just stopped. Okay, and I don't insult uh, good tango dancers by showing up on the floor, oh, and, uh, come on you know, now. stepping on their feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, you got to dance hours every day, but we only have so many hours uh, to, exactly. to to work with. Yeah, yeah, we make our choices. Exactly. Yeah. So your first time playing at a milonga for dancers was this in uh, San Francisco? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's where it is. Um, I should. Yeah. In fact, yeah, with Dale. Mm-hmm. And that uh, quartet, quintet, sextet, it would vary from gig to gig. Okay. Um, we had one that was called Strictly Tango. Mm-hmm. And this was an attempt to be, to be a bit more traditional and play covers mm, more or less in a traditional style. I, I couldn't say it was really Darienzo or, or Di Sarli or anything like that. But it mm-hmm. was just a, an, an attempt to be a bit traditional while we wouldn't adhere to traditional forms at all. Mm-hmm. So we tended to do a more jazz thing where we would play the head, the known melody one time through. Mm-hmm. Everybody would take a solo, we'd play the head again, and then oh. take it out. Okay. Um, but we did create a kind of tango-ish mood and rhythm, and so we would go and play it any longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after about a year, year and a half, only with them, I started playing with another group, which is called Tango Number no. Nine, mm-hmm. and I believe they still exist in in San Francisco. And that was definitely a bit different. It was also some traditional stuff, but mainly, mainly, if my memory serves, um, it was we were playing Theatola stuff, but more early, like his Parisian mm-hmm. stuff. I see that, and then and then again, it was an attempt to quote-unquote, do something new with tango instead of just aping old records and this kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, and with both groups, I, it was all good musicians, all really nice people. Um, my thing was, I actually wanted to get into the traditional styles and try and play that and learn that and live it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was, you know, with mixed success. Mm-hmm. With mixed success. But yeah, we did play for me a long time. So what's it like playing for dancers as opposed to a seated audience? Was 
Oh, was that an interesting experience? or? Yeah, of course. I mean, that is a, a, a two completely separate, non-overlapping universes. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'll tell you, I love both. I love to play concerts. Mm-hmm. My, my background is classical piano. I've played a lot of classical chamber music and mm-hmm. so on. And I love playing concerts. And a concert is nice because you have, you know, that sort of, well, you hope. You usually get this kind of respectful silence from the audience. Mm-hmm. And you can play very subtly and quietly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's wonderful. But I prefer playing for milongas, actually. Mm-hmm. I like to play dance tango. I have no aversion to playing a traditional style, a traditional, you know, a transcription of, of Bisali or Tarianza or Pugliese or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people are really bored with it, and um, also it's a more standard thing in Buenos Aires these days that they're not interested in doing that at all. Mm. Um, they want to, it's, it's, yeah, it's explained to me by my friend Santiago Sundivisha, who's a very talented musician and bandonian player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I played a lot of pop music. I played in top 40 bands and, and tribute bands and right, stuff like this. Right. And, you know, do I want to do that now? No. No, I, I would play my own original pop music. And he said, that's exactly how we, coming from Buenos Aires, look at tango. Mm-hmm. We're not interested in playing the style of Pizarri. We want to play what we feel today in 2017. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a lot going on there these days. There's not much money, unfortunately, but there are. there is now, maybe for the first time in sort of 60, 70 years, there. Mm-hmm. There is this serious pool of young tango musicians who just think it's perfectly normal that you go out each night and you play one or two tango gigs, oh. and and that's pretty exciting. And there's some good stuff coming out of it, and mm-hmm. we we'll expect more in the future. But yeah, so I like playing for milongas. I love to make a noise and then watch people react to it physically. <laughs> um, I, I you know I love to try and inspire people to actually move and, mm-hmm. and dance and stick with the way. That that for me is tango. I'm on stage making some music, and they're out there dancing, and that's that's mm-hmm. just like that's my axiom, that's my assumption with tango. Yeah, yeah. Earlier, I um, one of my previous podcasts, I interviewed a violinist, Daniel Stein. I'm not sure if you know him, um, but yeah, we talked a little bit about this, and it's it's kind of fun how sometimes as a tango band that will tweak the rhythm just a little bit to see if the dancers are really paying attention and. You know, <laughs> There's this, there, yeah, there's this back and forth. Yeah, you kind of dance with each other, which is, which is really nice. In fact, yeah, the back and forth. It's a dialogue between the audience and the and the mm-hmm. musicians, and and I I like that. I get a lot of energy from that. Yeah, um, playing in a concert again, they're very passive and they're just absorbing what you do. And mm-hmm. again, I I like that just fine. That's interesting and mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. But but uh, when you're playing for milonga, it's more of an equality. And it's more of a give and take instead yeah. of just give. Yeah, yeah. So I got a question for you about about tango bands that you've worked with with many. So when you first meet other members of a music group, what indications are there that you're going to have a great time working together? Ooh, that's that's an interesting question. Well, my first answer is simply I don't know. You, mm-hmm. you meet someone and you like them, and maybe you're chatting and you. You, you kind of have a you a feeling personally that okay this is a nice person mm-hmm. and intelligent and 
you know, isn't going to knife me or take my money. <laughs> um, that that's the basic thing. Mm-hmm. And you might talk and you say, oh yeah, oh I like tango too. What kind mm-hmm. of tango do you like? Oh this kind. And you know, I'm interested in doing A, B, and C with tango. Well, so am I. And you develop kind of um, artistic or intellectual connection, and then that will usually mean that playing music together is interesting. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, however, having said that, you know, I could spell out other scenarios that would mean that I that I like somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, for example, I might go see them play and go, wow, that's a good musician. I want to play with them. Mm-hmm. And then I do. So mm-hmm. it can be that. But also it's just chance. Um, Joe Powers happened to be recommended to me by someone, you know, yeah. like he's going to be in Amsterdam and you guys should meet. Mm-hmm. And we met and Joe, Joe is just a great guy. Yeah. And he plays a mean harmonica mm-hmm. and we got along well personally. We got along well musically. And then that's it. So mm-hmm. I'll just play with Joe until I die. <laughs> um, in the case of Santiago Sinvisa, mm-hmm. um, it was a bit strange. Mm-hmm. I visited the Netherlands in in May of 2003, mm-hmm. and I happened to be staying in Arnhem um, with a, a tango dancer friend of a friend, and she said, well, we should go to Muzi Sacrum, which is a big... Um, uh, just a big hall, mm-hmm. and there happened to be on that night a gigantic tango event. And mm-hmm. I went, and there were hundreds of people there. There were several orchestras and groups, mm-hmm. and I was in the crowd, and I turned around, and there was this guy. And we both looked at each other, pointed at each other, and said, "I know you." Well, I know you, <laughs> and we talked for a little while, introduced ourselves. And he's a tango musician, he's a, a bandoneon player, mm-hmm. and I said, "Oh, well, you know, I'm a piano player. I play tango too." And we just talked and exchanged email and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I finished my trip, and I went home to San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I thought about going, where the hell do I know that guy? And then he wrote me and said, you know what? I don't know you. You look like this other guy I know, that's all. <laughs> and I went, huh. But still, I mean, we saw each other instantly, like two mm-hmm. tango musicians in, in Arnhem. He didn't live there, and neither did I. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just a bizarre chance wow. and a really good one because ever since I've come here, mm-hmm. I've played with Santiago basically the entire time. Wow. And he he happens to be one of the most interesting and intelligent tango musicians mm. in maybe in Europe. So I'm very, very lucky I had that bizarre uh, meeting in yeah, art. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Like, there's, I guess, being so connected to tango music, when you you maybe have this little radar that you can detect each other. Other Exactly. This this radar, tadar, tangar. Yeah, we can invent a new word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I have had it. I don't know. It's also partly just we're proactive at putting ourselves in the right uh, environment. Like mm-hmm. I went to Arnhem and went to this big tango thing. And well, maybe it's not shocking that I might meet some tango musicians there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, another story about meeting somebody. I have my friend Rob Nelson here. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's a very interesting, smart guy. He runs a website, which is Torito, sorry, Torito.nl. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great website of, uh, first of all, he has a schedule of all the tango events, particularly in Amsterdam and the Netherlands, but also Europe and sometimes uh, outside of Europe. Mm-hmm. 
um, and he's insane about it. He works it every day, so it's very current and uh, useful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a good tango dancer, a performer, a DJ, and a teacher. He mm-hmm. was my teacher in my first series of lessons when I was here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was in San Francisco planning my trip, and, uh, and I decided I would come to the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I knew a woman in San Francisco, uh-huh. and she had lived in the Netherlands for two years. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote her, I sent her email, and I said, hey, I'm going to the Netherlands. Do you know anybody there that I might meet, uh, that I might uh, be able to meet? Mm-hmm. And she said, nope. <laughs> and some time went by, and I wrote again, you lived here for two years, and you danced tango, and mm-hmm. you were in Amsterdam all the time. You don't know anybody? And she goes, nope. <laughs> and I, you know, a few more days went by and I go, look, it's just weird. You, you, you must know somebody. <laughs> and she wrote back going, okay, well, I know this one guy, Rob. Here's his number. And I said, okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. So in Arnhem, mm-hmm. I wrote, I, or I called this guy Rob, and I said, hi, I'm Mark. I'm American. I play piano. Okay, maybe we can meet. Mm-hmm. And he went, uh, uh, um, okay, that's weird. But if you're coming to Amsterdam, I guess we could. Okay. And uh, so we we made an appointment, mm-hmm. and I came to Amsterdam. And the fun thing for me that mm-hmm. we still laugh about after 14 years oh. is um, he, we talked, and he said, okay, go to the Dam Square mm-hmm. in the center of Amsterdam, and I'll pick you up. And I went, okay. And to <laughs> me, I'm American. Pick up means a car pulls up, a door opens, and goes, hi, I'm Rob, get in. Right, right. And it was raining, so oh. I was kind of you know waiting for that car. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I turned around, there's this guy on a bike. And he says, are you Mark? <laughs> you have a bike? He goes, yeah, 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 of course. Everybody has a bike. And I said, but it's raining. And he looked up, and I got to tell you, Joe, there's obvious rain, like droplets of water falling from the right. sky. And he said, this isn't rain. This is just wet air. Come on, get on, let's go. So I hopped on the back of his bike, oh, and nice. he took me to yeah to some little cafe or something. And we sat and talked for hours, and he has proved to be just a, a super nice guy oh, and wow. extraordinarily helpful to me and just very knowledgeable about tango and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was the perfect person to meet. Mm-hmm. But I'd never have met him except that I had this old kind of a bit odd woman friend in San mm-hmm. Francisco, and then I kept bothering her until she finally gave me somebody's name. Yeah. And now we know Rob Dam. That's that's great. Yeah, being proactive. Very very well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to switch Thank gears. You, yeah, I want to switch gears a little bit from um from you as a pianist to you as a piano teacher. So can you describe that journey how you became a teacher? Uh, yes, I can. Um by the way, I I'll take that to mean specifically teaching tango piano. Okay, but um, I am a classical and a technique and even a jazz right. pop uh, piano teacher also. Mm-hmm. And that happened when I was at San Francisco State University. Probably I began around 1989 or 90 teaching piano, mm-hmm. and I had some really funky, interesting students. But I was teaching basically classical, mm-hmm. and uh, went on through the 90s, and I had a few students here and there. And then I started playing tango, and that's a bit specialized. Mm-hmm. Then um, maybe I had one or two tango piano students in San Francisco already. Mm-hmm. Then I came here, and um, I was much more specialized in, in uh, playing tango piano when I was first here, in the first year. Okay. Later on, I got into other things, like I was playing a lot in musicals. Mm-hmm. 
and um, playing with choirs and accompanying singers and playing other odd assorted gigs. Mm-hmm. But tango has always been my my uh, real love and my real passion. Yeah. Um, and so at some point, I don't know, somebody, I played somewhere and somebody came up to me and said, hey, maybe you could give me some lessons. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's how the tango piano lessons got started. Mm-hmm. Lessons generally got started because I was a struggling student in San Francisco and and I would play and people would write, uh, you know, call or contact me, whatever. And uh, I would start giving them classical lessons and just oh, got okay. used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been doing it since about 1990. Okay, okay. So how has being a music teacher, you know, working with your music students, how, how has that enhanced your abilities as, as a musician? Oh, man, it, yeah. First of all, I'll just give you an amount, immeasurably, Yeah. immeasurably. Um, if you teach, if you even try to teach, it mm-hmm. starts, it's automatic. You will start thinking about your playing differently. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching compels you to look at your own playing. You you teach some kid or some, you know some student, and then you turn around and say, "Well, what I was saying about him, do I do that?" Mm. Or or yes, I do, but I can change it. Or say, "I've never, I've always tried to do this thing, thing A, but I've never articulated it, mm. and now that I've said it out loud, I'm going to do it differently." Ah. Um, that and I coach. I've coached fairly often um, tango orchestras and yeah, and smaller groups and, and well, taught individuals. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, always coming out of a lesson or a coaching session thinking about what I do and going, huh, yeah, that's right. I, the, I blurted this thing during mm-hmm. that coaching session, which I've never thought about before. <laughs> I'm going to apply it to my own playing. Yeah. So teaching somebody else always teaches me also. It's, to mm-hmm. me, that's just automatic. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I've, I I won't say I am a leader, but in fact, I've kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. been the person in a group who by default, because nobody else wants to do it, Uh I've made the arrangements and Mm -hmm. I've just said, you know, two, three, four, and started a song (laughs) and this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't because I think I'm, you know, the emperor or anything like that. It's just nobody (laughs) else was doing it. So I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I did because mm-hmm. it has taught me a lot about um, about what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I've um, I studied conducting a bit when I was uh, at oh, school. Okay. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I didn't do too much with it in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Then I came here and we had our first tango orchestra, which was called Amago, mm-hmm. and this was seven, eight, nine people. And uh, I still listen to what we record, and I go, "Huh, you know, that wasn't that wasn't horrible." Mm-hmm. And I very much remember getting the first sessions together. I met a singer, mm-hmm. and then he played with a violinist and a bass player, mm. and we got those people. And then the violinist said, "Hey, I know another violinist," and you know, somebody said, "I know a bandonian player," and somebody else said, "Hey, I know a cellist." Mm. And suddenly we had an orchestra, mm-hmm. and we would rehearse. Mm-hmm. And I would say, hey, someone would say, oh, we should try, you know, Julian. Mm-hmm. And and we'd all go, okay. And then people would sit there and go, well, okay, let's try it. And they go, okay. And there'd be silence. They go, okay, ready? Two, three, four. And then we'd play it. Uh-huh. And then there'd be kind of silence. And everybody would go, oh, that, you know, that sounded okay. <laughs> and then there'd just be sort of silence. And I'd go, yeah, why don't we try it again? Mm-hmm. Okay. And there'd be silence. And then I'd say, two, three, uh, four. And okay. then we'd play it. And it was really just like... 
I'm not really a good leader or anything, but I would just do, I would just say two, three, four, and that, mm-hmm. you know, it just sort of grew from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, almost every Tango musician has made transcriptions. Okay. Not absolutely every, but very, very many have, almost everybody's made at least one at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of them now. I've probably seen transcriptions from 50 people or maybe a lot more than that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And 90% of them are just bad. Oh, really? It, it's okay. just like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I look at these and go, hmm, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. So mm-hmm. I would make my transcriptions and then we would play them and I'd listen to our performance and listen to the original and say, okay, well, that sounds quite alike. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I can make transcriptions and and uh, it just kind of, honestly, it happened a bit by accident that mm-hmm. nobody else was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you, you asked me about lessons and, and this, this is all of the stuff it brings up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it just teaches you to think about what mm-hmm. you do and it teaches you to think about how you, how you give that information to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is extraordinarily important playing tango, playing any music, simply yeah. communicating with the people you play with your peers mm-hmm. and they communicating communicating back to you and yes. so on and and talking and sharing this information only deepens the music yeah 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 so i got another another teaching question for you um it's a question that mm-hmm. i often ask other tango dance teachers but it may apply to to music teachers as well and that's dealing with students who are perfectionists <laughs> You're yeah. laughing, so hopefully I've hit on something uh, something interesting. So, yeah, how how do you deal with students who are perfectionists? I mean, on the one hand, they're they're wonderful in the sense that they are they're engaged, they ask questions, they they're motivated, but uh, but yeah, at the same time, they're very very self-critical. And um, just as a teacher, how do you how do you guide them through that? Well, first, I have to say, I love perfectionists. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had so many students who are lazy, like a days ago, and, <laughs> and unfocused. Um, mm-hmm. That when a perfectionist walks in the door, I go, "Okay, we can get some work done here." Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, this is going to sound a bit silly right now, but I, I'm actually a pretty shy person. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get in a crowd of people and I tend to shut up. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. But um, I love having a good one-on-one deep wide-ranging organic conversation with somebody yeah and perfectionist students often we have that mm-hmm. um, a perfectionist is somebody who will drill down and be, um, uh, continue to become more and more specific and mm-hmm. then you just get on some arcane or archaic or or tiny very very focused point mm-hmm. and you discuss it to death oh. and I like that okay. I like that a lot and it's like a chance for me just to indulge my own sort of semi-autism or ADD or whatever it is that I have <laughs> and, and really get into nuts and bolts, nitty-gritty, and mm-hmm. focus. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I have to say. Um, and, again, you know, I, I have a few students who are a bit casual yeah. or maybe not as talented, and that's fine. I mm-hmm. do what I can for these people. I'm never bored. I'm never just going through the motions, waiting for 60 minutes to be finished so that I can go do something else more interesting. No, mm-hmm. never. Right. But a perfectionist, it, I like that. I it, it makes a usually a nice atmosphere that I like to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in fact, per- perfectionism, they're going to keep trying to do something until they get it right. Yeah. And that's really what it takes. 
mm-hmm. for somebody to be a good mu- musician. Mm-hmm. So a perfectionist, that's not something that bothers me at all. I just see them as a diligent student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, that, that was very, very, very insightful. I think our, even our tango no. students and teachers who are listening are going to take note of that part. <laughs> I hope so. Okay. Be perfectionist. Be perfectionist. Don't be ashamed. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fix every mistake. Fix every nuance, every every tempo, and every rubato, and uh, and just make everything perfectly the way you want, yeah. and, uh, and go for it. Okay. <laughs> Good. Okay, Mark, I know we spoke a little bit uh, before we, I started recording. Uh, about the Tango Fake Book. That's I, that sounds very fascinating. If you'd like to share a little bit about that, that be I think the, in, the listeners would be interested as well. Uh, sure, I'm happy to, and thank you for asking. Yeah, um, yeah. The Tango Fake Book. Um, it came about beginning around something like maybe 2004 or five. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was doing gigs. And I discovered very quickly, of course, like everyone, I don't know all these songs. Mm-hmm. If you go and do a Parisha gig, you yep. you know, someone's just going to yell at you, okay, uh, <laughs> Caminito in E, mm-hmm. and you just have to kind of play it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. So um, I would do some gigs, and I'd go up to people afterwards and say, what were those two songs that we played? And I'd go home, and I would make a chart. Mm-hmm. Um, I use Finale software. Mm-hmm. And I've used Finale since about 1990 or 91, mm-hmm. and I'm very used to it. However, mm-hmm. to all the listeners who may be contemplating going out and buying their first music printing software, don't buy Finale. It's incredibly <laughs> complex, it's filled with bugs, and it's difficult to learn. Okay. At the same time, buy it, because it's super... Uh, powerful. I've never found a limit with it. You can do anything you want to do in it. Okay. It just takes forever to learn and and is buggy. Mm-hmm. Um, there is Sibelius, which is the main competitor. Um, so uh, anyway, I use Finale, and um, I was making these charts, and uh, soon I had a stack of like 100 of them, mm. and that was unwieldy, and I kind of bound them up somehow and I would you know have them at gigs and people would say oh what a nice collection mm-hmm. and then finally I said well I you know I, I can make this neater and I think I I double-sided printed them and put them in a kind of ring um, you know um, not a ring binder but you know with a ring bound yeah so that the book would like that and people would see it and go wow where'd you get that I want one I would buy that and mm. I said well I made it but I only got this one they said you should make more so I did <laughs> All right. Yeah, and um, I went through and I and I uh, put some more tangos in it. Talked to some various people about what I should include for repertoire, mm-hmm. and then in many of them, I send it around to um, uh, friends who are knowledgeable, and I ask them to correct it and try and make it a bit authentic. And mm-hmm. you know, is this the right original key? And this rhythm should it be that? And then when I had the idea of actually making a book, mm-hmm. I really went through. And I simplified everything, mm. which took a while. Right. Um, there are so many interpretations and so many arrangements of basic tangos, yeah. comparsita and <laughs> el choclon and all these basic ones. It's very hard to know what's right. Yeah. And what I ended up doing is for every tango, I got as many recordings as I could. Mm-hmm. And I, I simplified it and I sort of made them, I averaged out the rhythms. And okay. so instead of, you know, doing this uh, typical fraseo thing where it'd be like, dum, da, 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 mm-hmm. I would just write, 
da 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 da. Ah. And yeah, intentionally making them wooden mm-hmm. and non-expressive, and then the idea was a reader of the book, a user of this music, would know the tango style and would know not to play it like that. Ah, okay. So yeah, and in this respect, it's just like a jazz tape book. You have to know the style. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to know how to build chords and what the basic rhythms are and the basic yeah. uh, voicings and texture. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just an ed memoir. It you you just go you oh yeah that's how that song goes yeah oh, that's not a D seven chord actually that's an you know an F sharp diminished seven or something like that okay um, so that's it and I bound it up and I've been selling them ever since right. uh, sort of to two thousand seven or something like that okay so so yeah. anyone who, who who might not be a tango musician so this fake book it's it kind of serves as a shorthand or a, or a loose structure of how a song basically sounds and then they can um i guess put their own creativity into it is that that is perfectly the the intention um it's just yeah yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's uh it's the melody note Mm -hmm. with chords written above the melody and so you get the basic rhythm and structure of the melody and Mm -hmm. you get the basic chords Again, with the understanding um, that a musician is, n- of course, not going to play what's on the page. Right. He'll, I mean, just start with, he will bend the melody rhythm in a tango way. Mm. If you listen to Gardel, he does not anywhere sing eight, eight notes in a row. Okay. He sings a quarter note, and then he sings a dotted 16th and another dotted 16th, and then a, a slightly elongated eighth note, and mm. then two 16th, yeah, and so on. Okay. Um, and you have to know to do that. Okay. But uh, again, in this respect, it's um, it's just like a jazz fake book or a real book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the very, very basic structure and some suggested simple chords mm-hmm. with the understanding that you're going to pump it up, you're going to throw yourself into it and, and make your own style. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, the simplify. Yeah, like that's a, that sounds like a really, really great project. <laughs> so. I, yeah, I've, the thing is, I've, it's useful for me. Mm-hmm. I made it because I needed it. Yeah. And then, yeah, people just saw it and went, hey, I, I, I want that. Make mm-hmm. one for me. Okay, so Mark, what what future projects are you working on? Future projects? Mm, In tango particularly, Mm -hmm. um, I suppose the first thing I should start off with is saying there is a Tango Fake Book Volume Mm 2. All right. Um, It's been finished in the can, as they say, um, for actually uh, more than a year, maybe a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. It's got another slightly bigger collection of tangos, and it's a PDF file just waiting to be printed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am wondering what the heck to do with it. Uh, the first book I, I sold sort of fairly, you know, here and there mm-hmm. I would sell them compared to, you know, John Grisham or someone. It's nothing. Right. But, uh, you know, they kind of spread out around the world. Um, but what I noticed not long after I made it and mm-hmm. with the advent of the Internet and LimeWire and FrostWire and... Right and pirate and so on, um, is that it quickly showed up on websites and people download it just for free. Yeah. Um, and so for a while, I thought, oh, there's nothing I can do. And then I started researching it a bit. And then there's a sort of um, formal collection of information. You put in an email and you send to mm-hmm. a website, which mm-hmm. is uh, illegally hosting any file that they don't have rights to. Right. 
And it ended up that I was checking once a month, uh, worldwide, just Googling Tango Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I would find five or 10 or 25 sites that were hosting book free for download. Ah. And I would write them. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, nine times out of 10 or 59 times out of 60, I would get a get an email back very quickly, sometimes within 10 minutes saying, we're sorry, uh, you are, in fact, we do not have rights, you're correct. We have removed that link. Mm. And uh, sometimes one out of, yeah, 50, 100 times, they, would write, they wouldn't write back or they write back saying, no, nah, we're not going to do anything. Screw you. Oh. Um, but I had to keep on it. Mm-hmm. And then I just gave up. It's, mm-hmm. If I do a search right now, I'm sure I'll find 10 or 20, 30 websites mm-hmm. that I'll have the book to download. Yeah. So in relation to the second book and my future projects, I'm stopped by having the book printed on paper mm-hmm. because if I print and sell one mm-hmm. and that person scans it, sends yeah. it to his friend, just one friend who sends it to just one friend who mm-hmm. says, well, I'll just put it on the site so my other friend can download it and then I'm done. Yeah. I might I might sell one or ten or twenty, mm-hmm. but um, I I am pretty sure I I could even say tens of thousands of people have downloaded the book, mm. um, and I don't blame any one of them. Mm-hmm. The book has a cost. If you right. can pay me the money for it and wait three weeks for it to be shipped on paper, which you might need to scan anyway and put in your iPad, right. or you can just go to that, that, that download site, download it for free right now, mm-hmm. that is a no-brainer. Of course mm-hmm. people are going to do that. Yeah. So, fine. I could uh, you know, do that. I download stuff too, I, so it would be hypocritical for me <laughs> to yeah. uh, complain too much about other people doing it with my thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to print the second book unless I think I can, you know, get mm-hmm. some costs back at least for it. Right. So that's where it sits right now. Mm-hmm. I haven't decided. And as I don't decide, I don't print the book yeah. and sell it. Okay. So I don't know. There's that. Yeah. The digital um, world, it's, it's our friend, but sometimes it can really, it can be frustrating too. Yeah. In fact, in fact, mm-hmm. I'm glad the internet exists. I'm yeah. a bit of a programmer. I was making websites and doing web programming years ago in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm a total believer in it. It's great. It makes our modern world so much better. Yeah. Here we are talking through Skype. Right. Uh, you're in the States. I'm in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And, and we just talk. And it's free. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to call an old girlfriend in Italy from San Francisco in kind of 1996. Oh, my gosh. And it would be, you know, $50 to have a 20-minute conversation. <laughs> right. And the line, the connection was bad. There'd be static mm-hmm. uh, and so on. And, of course, no video and, you know, mm-hmm. not very even, even clean audio. Yeah. And now here we are just chatting whenever we want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's all great. But right. uh, it does have its drawbacks, and yeah. those aren't really settled yet. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Then as far okay. as for musical projects, um, mm-hmm. I... Tango kind of goes up and down, and in the last years in Amsterdam and, and Netherlands, and I, I would say Europe, it's gone a bit down mm. on average. Okay, I think there are fewer opportunities to perform. There's a little less interest in live music. There's mm. a little less money for for uh, groups to play, particularly orchestras. Mm. If you want to have eight or ten or twelve people together, right. you're you're going to pay to play. It's yeah. just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there are big concert um, 
uh, more theater uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. okay? And sometimes there are big milongas on special occasions like New Year's and so on. Right. And then, you know, you count on 500 or 1,000 people coming, and then there can be money for a real orchestra. Yeah. But really only that. So mm-hmm. I see that it's gone downhill a bit. Um, uh, I have my various duos, trios, quartets that mm-hmm. play sometimes there are some fantastic musicians here in the Netherlands. Yeah. Uh, there is Santiago Simidivisha. He's a composer, arranger, bandonian player. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some other random names I can think of. There's Ville Hiltula, who's a very good bandonian player. He's from Finland. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we have a duo that plays sometimes. Um, there's Ravin Sangha. He is an Australian who lives here in Amsterdam. He's a brilliant food player. Mm-hmm. We have a group that plays sometimes. And I can go on like this. There yeah. are some wonderful musicians here. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get the other jam. We can make arrangements. And then the opportunity to play and to be paid anything reasonable is very, uh, very limited, wow. unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And then I should also mention uh, we have our group Fras Noche. Yep. Um, this is a quintet of Santiago and me and, mm-hmm. uh, and three other extraordinary musicians. Mm-hmm. We recorded a CD. Um, it's been a bit slow developing, but it is mixed. It will be printed soon. We're worrying about cover and, you know, mm-hmm. when information goes in. And I hope we will be selling this uh, sometime soon. Okay. It'll show up on iTunes or CD Baby or wherever the heck yeah, it is the yeah. kids are selling things these days. <laughs> okay, so Tras Noche. So we'll look for that when it's released. Sounds, sounds great. Uh, yeah, I, I must say I'm very proud. Um, it's Santiago's arrangement. Um, some of his original tunes, um, some other um, a little bit deeper, um, a bit more modern uh, tangos. Okay. Um, Beatrice Aguiar sings on it, and she has just one of the most gorgeous voices nice. I've ever heard. And so I'm very much looking forward to it coming out and being able to uh, spread it around. Okay. All right. So uh, where can we find more about you online? <laughs> Okay, having said all that about the internet, um, <laughs> I'm a pretty poor self-promoter. Okay. So um, there's your whole answer. I do have a website. Mm-hmm. It's harmonk.com, okay. H-A-R-M-O-N-K.com. Okay. Uh, it exists. I'm very bad at updating it. <laughs> Joe Powers is my good friend, and his site is brilliant, and he probably updates it 30 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine, I think I looked at it once a few months ago i think <laughs> so don't count on it being really updated or even good but it is there it does say stuff about me there are some samples of various music um there is a schedule of stuff i do again it's probably been updated in 2013 for the last time <laughs> i don't know but there's that okay. but then um on on youtube for example um mm-hmm. there are several videos of me there are some with joe powers yep there are some with Trust Noche. Um, there are other various assorted oddities. So just uh, searching on YouTube, uh, we'll find several videos and uh, performances for me. Okay. All right. I'll make sure to have your, your uh, website link in our show notes so people can read up about you. And, oh, and, thanks uh, very much. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right, Mark. Thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation. Again, I'm I'm really glad um, you know you took the time out. I know it's evening over there. You got things to do, but uh, really appreciate your time and your and your insights. 
Well, Joe, it's been a big pleasure to talk with you. Uh, sometimes with an interview type thing, I can be a bit apprehensive and wonder what the heck is going to be said. Uh, <laughs> but I very much enjoy this, and I thank you for the opportunity to share some of the stuff that I'm doing. Sure, it's my pleasure. All right, you take care, Mark, and we'll keep in touch. We will indeed, Joe. Thanks a lot again, and yeah. good day. All right, bye-bye. Okay, that was another fun conversation, and once again, big thanks to Joe Powers for getting me in touch with Mark. Hey, really quick, I'm open to suggestions when it comes to interviewees for this podcast, so if you know of any tango teachers, organizers, or musicians that you'd like me to interview, send me an email. You can contact me directly at wisconsintango at gmail.com. That's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com, and you can also send me comments about the show if you like. So Mark had a lot of interesting things to say, and after listening to our conversation again, I think there's a very important lesson about becoming an expert. Years ago, when Mark agreed to play tango music, he admitted that he didn't know too much about it, and even when he started playing tango music at official gigs, he was still in the process of learning and figuring things out. In other words, Mark became an expert by doing. Whether it's tango or anything else, we can't tiptoe around the edges or always look for a safe way to experience things. At some point, we'll have to jump in, start doing, and not be afraid to ask questions when we're stuck. I also like what Mark had to say about perfectionism and that as a teacher, he'll indulge a student's perfectionism and drill down to very specific details. I've often talked about the negative side of perfectionism, how, how being overly self-critical can ruin our enjoyment of tango, but Mark reminds us of the positive side of perfectionism in that working to improve every little detail and practicing again and again is a very effective method of getting better. So thank you again, Mark, for your time and for the fun conversation. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Joe's Tango Podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, if you're still listening, how would you like to win a brand new Amazon Echo Dot? Well, I'm giving one away, and here's what you need to do for a chance to win it. It's very easy. If you're enjoying this podcast, head over to iTunes or Stitcher, give Joe's Tango Podcast a good rating and a review, then click that subscribe button. Then email me a copy of the review so I can easily cross-reference it and remember to include your name in the email. I will put your name in a hat and on Valentine's Day 2018, I will pick a random winner from my hat and that winner could be you. If it is you, I'll contact you to find out where to ship your prize and you'll want to email your name and review to wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, this is a brand new second generation Amazon Echo Dot. It is a very cool gadget and it also works as a Bluetooth speaker so you can listen to Joe's Tango podcast in style. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every Monday and sometimes Fridays, but definitely every Monday. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon. <laughs>